0: this is the frontier podcast powered by gun.io the engineer's choice for engineering talent if you like what you hear rate review and subscribe and follow us on twitter at the frontier pod entrepreneur michael dash had it all a multi-million dollar business cars real estate you name it he also had a compulsive and addictive personality that led him to gambling, drugs, and a destructive path that brought it all down. In his new book, Chasing the High, Michael lays out his path to redemption in a raw, honest framework that he's turned into a program called FATE, or From Addict to Entrepreneur. Legend. Michael talk about addiction, the positives and negatives of the entrepreneurial drive. And most importantly, about life balance and the critical habits that he's discovered to keep himself happy and effective after missing the mark for so many years. Every listener will see something of themselves in this story, this episode, and in Michael's book.
1: Hey, Michael, man, it's great to have you on. Thanks for joining.
2: Thanks, Ledge. Looking forward to it.
1: So uh, for the audience to know this, this is fun for me because uh, Michael and I went to high school together. So like way back in the day, and then we were just saying that I probably haven't seen him for like 30 years since track practice. So this is fun. Still connected online. Uh, Michael is the author of, of a new book called Chasing the High, an entrepreneur's mindset through addiction lawsuits and his journey to the edge. And I just thought that was a really pertinent topic uh, a bunch of subject matter that our, our audience would totally relate to. So, Michael, welcome. Love you if you give a you know, kind of an intro of, of yourself and uh, what we can expect from the new book.
2: Yeah, thank you. I uh, appreciate that, and thanks for dating us 30 years back. That's
1: right. <laughs> back <laughs> when we had a lot more hair between us.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so for the last 20 years, I... Ran, I was I was in the staffing and recruiting business, uh, focused mainly in the technology sector. So I was uh, staffing software engineers, basically. Uh, yeah, we know and, about and, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I figured your audience uh, uh, could relate to that um, because every company needs good software engineers. So there was plenty of work to be done. Uh, for the last eleven of those years, I had my own staffing firm called Parallel HR Solutions along with a business partner in Salt Lake City, Utah, where I ended up after following a business opportunity, uh, which ended up being a business. So I was in that field for, again, 20 years, 11 years running the company, and really was complete money play. I saw an opportunity to make a lot of money um, staffing, you know, a software engineer for 120,000 on a full-time basis, getting 20% of that 24 K, you know, for me, it was like, Hey, this is where it's at. You know, I'm going to make a ton of money and build this company. And, and that's what I did. And, and I led those decisions based on my drive to accumulate possessions, accumulate things, accumulate money, thinking that that would drive and bring me the happiness and fulfillment that I was always looking for. Uh, Little did I know that it really did nothing to fill my soul, fill my heart, uh, fill my being, so to speak. Uh, But it did line my pockets for a while. And, you know, I spent that money on you know, pinstripe suits, which were completely unnecessary, um, you know, houses, investments, and all this stuff to just keep growing and growing. And five and a half years into the business, I bought out my business partner because we were butting heads. I wanted to keep growing. She was content to how it was. And then we ended up getting into a legal matter about the agreement we signed uh, shortly thereafter, within six months. And I ended up in a lawsuit with her. That lawsuit lasted six years. And uh, I spent over a million dollars on that lawsuit. And it was all over 350 k So during that entire time, I was kind of fueled by va- a variety of addictions. Um, uh, cocaine, Adderall, marijuana, GHB. And this was all coming out of a 20-year gambling addiction, which I had stopped at that point, but I was participating in all these other things that I just mentioned. And, you know, Adderall specifically, after I overcame the cocaine addiction and um, moved to Utah, I was introduced to Adderall. Adderall really fueled me. Uh, both from a production standpoint but also an emotional standpoint and it really drove a lot of the decisions I made that prolonged the lawsuit that prolonged my misery that got me into kind of a deeper hole and uh, that really landed me in a place where I was completely unhappy running a business that was running me stuck in a lawsuit that cost me a million dollars you know and and building this life that, I felt completely stuck in.
1: And then you know I'm familiar with addiction literature and you know the things people go through. What was your your path to to breaking that? Uh, there's there's the euphemism of the the rock bottom, you know, is that your experience or was it more gradual than that?
2: I had it's been an interesting journey. So I've had uh, a lot of different instances occur that got me to reevaluate the behavior that I was participating in, but not, I didn't take what I learned from one addiction and bring it to another. You know, I continued that pattern of that poor, the pattern of poor choices because I was escaping the realities of my life, exhausted by making a decision. As we were speaking earlier, before we hopped on here, I, f- I was making a decision every 15 minutes of the day for 10 hours, 12 hours straight, and I was just completely exhausted. So I just didn't want to think about anything or, or, or put anything into you know focusing on my mindset or my health. I just wanted to escape it. So- it wasn't a specific, uh, um, you know, uh, um, moment, but it was several little things that happened. And what got me to stop gambling was when I was taking a car ride with my brother to Massa- uh, to Massachusetts from New Jersey for Thanksgiving, and he wouldn't let me listen to sports radio. And I asked him why, and we kind of got in an argument, and he said he was going to Gamblers Anonymous, and, they, you know, he's not allowed to listen to it. And after that car ride, a soothing car ride with three and a half hours of music, where my mind was actually completely quiet and peaceful, I thought to myself, you know, what is this Gambler's Anonymous doing to my brother? I need to find out. And so I just decided to go to a meeting and that started my, uh, that was the last time I gambled actually. And I went to meetings for 14 years since then and celebrated my 14 years clean uh, a month ago when I released the book. So it was a curiosity more than anything that led me to that direction. However, it didn't lead me to stop the other addictions. You know, it just tra- I just transferred like over to, I was doing cocaine and gambled at the same time and cocaine, I actually went to break up a fight with a friend of mine and some stranger and I got punched. Um, in the face, and I had to have uh, constructive surgery on my nose, and they handed me a bill for ten thousand dollars. And at that moment, I said, "There's no way I'm ever putting anything up this ten thousand dollar nose again."
1: <laughs> and there's always, you know, those stories that, that come together into uh, this this book kind of experience. You know, just talk about that. And some of the things you just said, you know, really struck me as really pertinent to the kind of crazy impulsiveness that goes into entrepreneurship in general. And so, yeah, I love that you've, you brought those, those two topics together. You don't see that a whole lot. And I I think you're even working with, with other folks, right? You have sort of an organization around it now related to addiction and entrepreneurship. Tell the, tell the story of how those things go together.
2: Absolutely. I, in the entrepreneur space, I've, a part of a lot of different entrepreneur organizations and I see the same behavior traits in my, you know, from myself to other entrepreneurs who I'm around and they're leaning on something a lot of, there's a huge Adderall problem, huge in, in the entrepreneur space, but just in the space in general. Um, so I decided I wanted to do something about it. And I first started an interview series called fate, FATE from addict to entrepreneur where i interview former addicts who are now entrepreneurs and built multimillion dollar businesses and i write articles for thrive global and for medium and you know i've interviewed guys like joe polish who started the genius network that tony robbins went through and richard branson and i interviewed mike lindell who started mypillow.com And he sold over 23 million pillows. He was a crack addict. And um, Cos Marte, who was a drug kingpin, a drug dealing kingpin, did seven years in jail, started a company called Con Body that um, connects you with ex-cons to keep you on your workout routine. So some amazing people. And I realized that we all have similar traits That addicts and entrepreneurs have similar traits and addicts, if given and put in the right set of uh, circumstances, the right environment surrounded by the right people can be some of the best entrepreneurs in the world because they have that attitude of they won't take no for an answer. They'll go above and beyond the call of duty to get their fix, right? They will be as creative as anybody could be to accomplish their goal. In the cases of addiction, it's about getting high. But if you can take those same traits and focus them on entrepreneurship, they can be some of the most successful entrepreneurs out there. And those are some of the similarities that I found. And you know, I wanted to make an impact on people more than getting that engineer who's making a hundred grand, 120 grand job. I wanted to have more impact than that. So I sold my staffing business, um, last year in June and started a program. It's a 10 week mentoring program to work with leaders and entrepreneurs who are dealing with compulsive or addictive behaviors that want to stop that pattern and really step in to the leader and the family member and the friend that they truly are.
1: And so, what? How do I recognize in myself those patterns, the the symptoms that might be recognized by you, you know, from the third party kind of coach seat, as destructive compulsion uh, versus the healthy, you know, sort of craziness of entrepreneurship? I mean, you sort of have to have um, the right screws loose to keep doing startups over and over again, and and yet that can spiral out of control like like any addiction so i mean how do you diagnose if you will the the symptoms and conditions that that are trending toxic
2: well i think even positive symptoms a compulsive having a compulsive nature in even positive uh uh, you know symptoms can be Negative. And, you know, for me, it's all about having a balance. I talk about in my book, Chasing the High, there's a chapter called The Habit of Habit Making. And it's really important to build a strong foundation of positive habits. And as we continue to evolve in life, and maybe those same habits from five years ago, don't resonate with us now. So it's it's important to continue to tap into curiosity and try new activities for yourself, not based on what other people around you have said, but try them out for yourself and see what resonates with you. And that's how you continue to evolve and then incorporate what resonates into you into those habits so that you have a fulfilled life is anybody working 12 to 14 hours a day, every day, five or six days a week is going to end up in an unfulfilled place. I can promise you that it is not healthy. Now, there are certainly times throughout the year that we need to put those hours in. We might be trying to launch a new product. We might be trying to hit deadlines. We might be trying to do these things, but it's important that we have activities such as meditation. Such as um, going to a sound bath, which is sound therapy, which is amazing. If anybody in your audience wants to try something, go to a sound bath. You don't need to speak, you don't need to put yourself out there that much. You just show up, you lay down, and they play you these sound bowls and take you on this sound journey for 45 minutes to an hour. It's the most relaxing thing ever. It'll clear your mind. Um, You know, listening to positive podcasts, listening or doing affirmations, journaling, getting out in nature, going for a hike or getting to the ocean can be so super powerful. All of these things. And, you know, obviously working out, being healthy, traveling, you know, I feel all these, you have all these buckets in your life and you have to fill these buckets up at least partially, on a weekly basis. And if you fill them up on a weekly basis, then you will remain fulfilled. And if you don't, then something will be empty and missing in your life, and you will be driving towards these negative thought processes that always kind of creep up on us, that negative self-talk that will creep up on us if we're really not cognizant and focused on it.
1: So i'm I'm curious you know the systems that have worked for you the you know the recovery and and the the coaching program you've come up with how much do you draw on what you learned from the the 12 step modality i mean if anybody wants to know what that is you can always google you know 12 step and you hear about it um that's the sort of time honored framework for addiction and i I know in my own experience you know i just always felt like when i did the 12 step work that it would uh you know, gee, everybody should do this anyway. You know, this is just healthy living. And uh, is, that, is that been your experience? You know, do you, do you add, subtract at all from, from that uh, sort of superset?
2: So I had a great experience with the program in Gamblers Anonymous. But when I left Gamblers Anonymous, or I shouldn't say left because I'm still part of it. But when I tried to go to Narcotics Anonymous, I had a completely different Experience. It did not resonate with me whatsoever. Um, I was completely turned off by the program and it just didn't work for me. So, the same principles that worked in Gamblers Anonymous for me did not work in Narcotics Anonymous. So, I needed to find another way. So, I took some of the principles of Gamblers Anonymous, remembering those, um, but really uh, just kind of adapted things that worked for me as a leader as an entrepreneur, because I was in a different situation when I was dealing with the drugs because I was running a business, but it was really running me. I wasn't running it. And, you know, constantly having to make a decision all day long is exhausting. It's exhausting. And you don't want to deal with kind of your reality and your other problems or your other challenges or just other things in your life after you're doing that for 10, 12 hours a day.
1: Which in itself is an addiction, right? I mean, we talk about workaholism. You know, you can use work as an escape for all kinds of personal problems. You know, I don't want to go home, so I stay at the office. Uh, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to deal with that. I mean, work work itself can be, you know, sort of a, a treadmill of, of miserableness, even if you're not making decisions all day.
2: A hundred percent. All of these things, uh, you know, can serve as escapism, right? And escapism is... When we lean on certain behaviors or activities to escape the realities of our life that will still be there when we stop these activities, they're not changing. Those things are a set of circumstances that have no feelings whatsoever. And those circumstances are going to remain in our life. Whether we go and spend a few hours gambling, a few hours drinking, go getting high, a few hours coding, you know, what a few extra hours, you know, whatever it is you know stay in the office a couple more hours because we don't want to deal with our spouse or our girlfriend or our boyfriend or whatever it is um or family you know those things are still going to be there so it's really not a healthy behavior and it's not sustainable so it's really then about strengthening our mindset um so that we're in a secure place that we don't convince ourselves we're exhausted for some reason and we don't want to deal with something uh, and we can face it head on in a healthier emotional state. Sure. And you
1: talk about that habit forming and that habit can be as simple as, you know, get your ass out of that chair. You can't even feel your legs anymore. <laughs> get out of the spreadsheet, you know, and go for a, a 20, 20 minute walk, five minute walk, anything, yeah. you know, just eat a healthy lunch, you know, take a damn break, get off your phone and, uh, yeah. Who doesn't know an entrepreneur that doesn't drink, you know, 16 cups of coffee and, and relish in, you know, I work late and I'm, I'm kicking ass. And, you know, there's that we I think a lot of times glorify this, um, you know, the, the hustler mindset. Right. You know, just yep. go, go, go. And, you know, you can't win unless you hustle or grind. And um, I'm hearing you say that, you know, on the, on the flip side of that, there's a there's a lot of danger and probably not as much success.
2: A hundred percent. I mean, we wear it as like a badge of honor, but it's really actually doing a lot of damage to us because we're not well-rounded anymore. You know, in this technological age, people don't even know how to personally communicate with each other in a close setting. I mean, think about and and try this next time you're with another you know person in business. How? Long can they look you in the eye before moving their eyes to something else in the room? Like we can't even look at each other in the eye and it's not cause we're not uh, genuine. Uh, it, it's because we're uncomfortable because we don't do it. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. So like interpersonal habits are just and, part of the equation too. Yeah. I mean it, going home and not having a conversation with your family because you're, used to being on Slack all day. You know, I, I know I've gone through that myself. It's like, can can we just text about this? (laughs) Like, instead of being in the room and I'm like, wow, that's kind of messed up, you know? So
2: it's so messed up because, you know, it, and, and it really affects society. It's affecting, it's affecting it now. It's going to, I mean, think about what it'll be in 50 years, you know? Um, So it's important to get that human connection and to have the, you know, have that have feelings, right? We numb these difficult feelings. I do it too. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm no different. Um, but it's a continual work in progress. Uh, and it's really about connection and it's really connection is extremely important, you know, and I have this four step process that we work through that I work with, with the pe with, uh, you know, people in my program, And we take them from self-recognition and we build this circle of prosperity for them about what they want their lives to look like and how much time they want to spend in different areas and still be successful at what they do. Mm -hmm. And then we take them through the power of curiosity so they can tap into these activities that they've never tried about, but heard about, but for whatever reason, they just haven't done that. And then we move them into action and then that action will move them into connection and connection with other humans leads to community and that community leads to being part of different tribes and what I call tribes. And, mm-hmm. and I found that extremely important to have tribes in your life. And I have many of them that I can lean on in times of weakness, and times of pain, and times of challenge. You know, I have a tribe, uh, my entrepreneurial tribe. So whenever I have some stuff going on in business that, that I'm really struggling with, I can lean on them. I have a philanthropy tribe. So whenever I want to go out and raise money and, you know, give back, I lean on them. You know, I have a tribe at Orange Theory Fitness where I go work out, right? And, you know, uh, you know if we want to get together or do something outside of that gym or, or talk about working out and talk about health, you know, I go there. And I have a travel tribe where we've traveled all around the world to Bali, to Nicaragua. We're going to Madagascar at the end of this year. So, like, it's all these different tribes that you can connect with. And then I have a men's tribe also, which is very important. And they're popping up more and more because, um, you know, uh, as a man, uh, we have been trained a certain way to not expose our feelings and to act all stoic. And we should be able to handle whatever comes our way and not complain about it, not have feelings about it. Don't be upset about it. And all this complete, utter nonsense, which is completely not true. Uh, You know, we're just like anyone else. We have feelings and the more we hold them in, you know, the worse it's going to be for us in our relationships and then for our health as well.
1: I love hearing the passion. I mean, it just sounds, you know, so comprehensive, like, wow, you know, you're, you're hitting on a lot of things that uh, if someone in the audience doesn't relate to all that, they certainly relate to some of it. Yeah. And, and and I think that's how maybe in a self-discovery kind of place, um, do you can find the places that you kind of go, yeah, I relate to that, which means that's probably the area that needs, you know, a little bit of work and inventory, which you might call it in in 12 step work, you know, just Hey, let's, let's take stock of where we are here, you know, and uh, get out there and, you know, try to make a difference in in that particular spot. So, okay. So people, you know, relating to what, what you say, I want to make sure that they can find you online and, and, you know, have that conversation. So uh, where do they go?
2: Yeah. So if they're interested in the program that I just described, uh, I have a webinar on it um, that they can sign up for and listen to. And it, it, they could find that at michaelgdash.com forward slash fate, F-A-T-E. The book uh, Chasing the High, um, which you spoke about before, I know you were, uh, you were reading some of it. Um, they can find that at chasing the And then I'm on all social media on Facebook, uh, on Instagram. I'm M D A S H one. And on Facebook, I'm Michael, da- Michael dash um, one. And um, I'm on LinkedIn and all the other fun tools out there. I mean, how many tools can you possibly be on these days? It's insane. You know?
1: Hundreds for hundreds.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, if, and if you want to pop on my website, it's Michael dot dash.com. I try awesome. to keep it people. So, um, but yeah, would love to hear anybody, uh, from anybody, if they had any questions or anybody who's hurting, you know, um, you know, I'll open up to your audience to have a, a free 45 minute, uh, consultation call with them for anybody dealing with any, any compulsive behavior challenges that they want to work through.
1: Excellent, man. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Yeah, everybody, check out uh, Chasing the High, Michael G Dash. Uh, super cool to have you on, man. Thanks for sharing the insights. I, I know it's going to be useful.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks, Lynch. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us.
1: head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.